This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and joining me, my good buddy, Adam Emmert. Yeah, all the way from Benton, Arkansas. Hey. We're making it happen. Well, you know, when we it's been a couple weeks since we've sat down to do this, so and we've had a lot of things happen in these past no, two we weeks. No, we haven't. We haven't had a, a lot, lot of things, things. happen. <laughs> we've had a couple things happen, including, like, breaking news, Brandon. Like, pray the breaking news sounder, like, right now. Oh, wait, we don't have one? All right, there we go. There's the breaking news sounder. And uh, Akeem King re-signed by the Seahawks like as of like three minutes ago since we started recording this. Yeah, well, when this comes out uh, on Saturday, then uh, people will be like, oh, yeah, that's not breaking news. Yeah, I know. That's why I clarified it by saying it was like three minutes as as of now, like while we're <laughs> doing this. As of right now. Yeah. So that gives people an idea when we're doing this. Right. Akeem King re-signed. Huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's one of those depth guys that you look at and you say, okay, I mean, he went out there and made a decent showing of himself and uh, another depth piece there. And maybe that takes a little pressure off the Seahawks to draft corners late in the draft. Well, we did have the combine that happened this past week. And I know you probably didn't pay a lot of attention to that, but you know what? I it makes watch me one second. <laughs> you know what it does make me wonder about is where that leaves us with Justin Coleman, because he is a free agent, free agency starting here up in uh, in about a week. We're seeing a lot of movement, whether it's teams cutting particular players or we're starting to see some guys signed here ahead of the, the new league year. Yeah, a little bit of movement there and uh NFL land. We'll see if the Seahawks manage to sign anybody else other than Akeem King. I mean, the one thing that's out there that has not been talked about, the thing that's making me a little bit nervous, and the one that I'd really like to just see get done, and just something I don't have to worry about, is KJ Wright. Can we please just sign KJ Wright and get that done, please? He's one of the guys that... And I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him. One thing that I do want to talk about on the show is salary cap. I also want to talk about Frank Clark because the franchise tag deadline did come along and the Seahawks used their franchise tag for the first time since 2010. Olindo Mare, the last guy to get it. Yeah, true fact. And I think that makes sense for both sides. We'll see if uh, that means that they're going to play under the tag for the full year. They don't have to. That doesn't preclude them from negotiating a long-term deal. That just means, okay, for sure, you're going to be a Seahawk this year. So we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, it gives them until July 15th to make a deal happen. Part of me is wondering is not allowing a player to go to free agency. And I think the Seahawks have been pretty good about taking care of guys and paying them at the at their value. And I think they're going to do that with Frank Clark. And so one of the things that I could see them waiting for is to see what a guy like Trey Flowers gets in free agency. And mm -hmm. then you can kind of work around that. Maybe you don't have to wait for Demarcus Lawrence to sign his deal or any of these other guys that got franchise tag right at the deadline, D Ford. Maybe you can go off of that, that Trey Flowers deal. That's possible. You're always hoping to be the team that's second, right? And signing the big time players at their position. But sometimes you have to be first. So we'll see what John Schneider and company decide to do here. I would like to see Frank Clark get done. It'd be great to have him long term. But at the end of the day, Frank Clark might not want that. And he I sounds think that's like one he of wants it. He's been recruiting dudes. He's been out there on the recruiting trail for the Seahawks. Sure. He may want to be very well be a Seahawk, but he may want to be a Seahawk for a certain amount of money that the team definitely doesn't want to pay. Well, you can only pay so many guys. 
And when you have Bobby Wagner, when you have Russell Wilson, when you have Doug Baldwin on the team for over $10 million, you have Dwayne Brown on the team for over $10 million. You can only pay so many of those those guys $10 million and above before it starts stretching the cap a little bit. And one of the things about placing the franchise tag on Frank Clark is it's a pretty significant decrease on the team's salary cap, you know, going into the combine. A lot of people talking about, oh, the Seahawks have $55 million in cap space. And, oh, they're top 10 in the league. They're going to be able to go into free agency with all of this cap space. I think it was $52 million. Mm-hmm. And uh, looking at an article from John Gilbert on field goals, he breaks it down and he goes, you know what? It's it's really not that much because you got to think about the draft. You got to think about your guys that are exclusive rights, free agents. You got to think about your draft picks, your practice squad. You have to keep some aside for injured reserve. And oh, by the way, you know, if you're going to be releasing Cam Chancellor because he's still on the roster, he's owed a, a chunk of money that'll count a little bit extra this year if you release him now. And if you want to keep around your restricted free agents like Quentin Jefferson, George Fant, you're going to end up with about $25 million in cap space. And when you consider the fact that Earl Thomas, KJ Wright, Sebastian Janikowski, Shamar Stefan, and Justin Coleman, those guys ate up about $25 million of cap space last year. So you're having to replace mm-hmm. five of your top guys going into free agency. And kind of, kind of, I mean, Earl, Earl, I mean, he played you know a few handful of games, then wasn't on the team for the most year. Now his salary still counted. I understand that, yeah. but you don't need to bring him back in this you know scenario. You don't need to. No, you don't need to. But the the point is, is that those five guys ate up the amount of money that you're talking about spending now in free agency, right? And so when you have twenty five million, I mean, a lot of people are throwing around the name Landon Collins. You're not going to be able to get Landon Collins and still have enough money to to bring in some of those other free agents. I don't know. I don't know. So this is an interesting year in just the way that the safety market is shaping up. Look at how many amazing safeties are out there on the market. There's a lot. I mean, yeah, I, I, I Earl Thomas, uh, LaMarcus Joyner, Collins, uh, Gibson just got released by the Jaguars. It, it, the honey, honey badgers badger, yeah. out there. There's a there's a huge list. Unfortunately, I'm using all my devices just to record the show, so I can't look things up on the fly like normal. So I'm trying to do this off the top of my head. But there's a if Eric Weddle, who I still think is horribly overrated, but whatever. He's a, supposedly a good safety and out there. And you look at the safeties last year. There's a lot of safeties like Eric Reed that didn't sign on to a team till late in the year and could still play. And part of that had to do with the anthem stuff, but part of it too is. I think the safety market is a little bit flooded right now. And so I think the value of what uh, you, well, the money you'd have to put out as a team is going to be far lesser than usual. Just basic supply and demand. I'm talking about the top guys though. Landon Collins feels like the top name that's out there. Everybody's talking about. And, and that's why I would expect, you know, a lot of these guys you wait around and the price is going to drop. Landon Collins seems like he's going to be one of the guys who's going to be signed right away. Yeah, he kind of feels like a a Brown or a 49er or somebody or a Raider. Sure. I mean, it kind of feels like that's where where he'd end up. But it did get me to thinking about Earl a little bit. In, in what way? <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of the reports are coming out that Dallas not so much interested. Right. You've they just signed Jason kind of, Witten to pay him over three million dollars to play, what, 30 percent of the snaps that he, a normal tight end would play. Yeah. To lumber around the field about the same speed I could. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I mean that's what 
that's what they're doing, which great. I mean, it got him out of the booth and thank God for that. Like, I think, I think it, this is just my personal opinion and, and people can push back on this if they want. I think the Cowboys should get cap relief for the $3 million that they gave <laughs> to Jason Witten just because they got him out of the booth for the rest of us. No like, penalty. Like, you guys can go over three and a half million dollars over the salary yeah. cap. It's, it's okay. It's a gift to you for, for saving the rest of us. For your gift to us <laughs> right. of taking him out of the booth. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I have too. no problem with that. But with, what I was getting at is with this safety market being as depressed as it is, Earl Thomas being older, coming off an injury. I mean, what exactly is his value out there on the open market? I mean, it started making me think that there is a chance he could be valued in Seattle more than anywhere else. I, I just depends on how. I mean, I think he's livid, pissed at the Seahawks, and never I've wants to come back. I've been banging this drum for a while, and you've been telling me no way he comes back. And now I've I've just resigned myself that Earl Thomas is not coming back to the Seahawks. And now you're telling me there's a chance. Okay, so I might be a really mean guy, and I'm just trying to build up your hopes so we can crush them all over again. <laughs> like that might be my goal here. I don't. Is know. that is that what we did to Malik McDowell? Like we released him back this last summer, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, you're still on the Seahawks. Oh yeah, we're we're still releasing you. Yeah, how did that work? I I think it was because it was one of those injury waivers, kind of like with Amara Darbo. Oh. And it, like Amara Darbo went to the Patriots and they said, oh, yeah, you're hurt. So you can't join our team. And so he reverted back to being a Seahawk. And I think that's what happened with McDowell, too. Oh, OK. So now but now, now he's, he's gone. Now I, I he's think, gone, gone. I think he's gone for sure. Anyway, it's just I, I'm thinking like there's a three percent chance that uh, Earl could come back at this point just because of the way the market is. But I think more likely is for them to find a different, you know, pick a different safety out of that list. Right. It feels that way. That's where you're going to get value. Then the other thing to think about, too, is since the free agent market is so saturated in safeties and everybody seems to be set at safety, right? That's why there's all these safeties out there. How many guys are drafting safeties? Not too many. Like, so that could be a position where you can get a really sneaky good guy way late in the draft. And there's that potential. You know, one of the things on, on the Seahawkers podcast uh, this last weekend, talking to Rob State in the Seahawks draft blog, he was telling me that there weren't going to be really anybody uh, as far as safeties went, but they ended up testing really well. So he was he was kind of surprised that there might be mm. some sneaky good safeties coming up in this class. So that will be something to watch. Are, are you ready for Earl Thomas to go to the 49ers, though? Isn't that where he's going to end up? I didn't want to say it out loud because I feel like you can speak things into existence. So thanks for that. You jerk. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it does kind of feel a little bit like Sherman Earl reuniting in San Francisco to take out their vengeance on the Seahawks. They'll probably no. bring KJ Wright too. Oh, don't no! You shut your mouth. You're starting to say things that we can't have. You need to, you need to, you need to reevaluate what you're talking about today, Brandon. I, I don't like it either. I, I don't like okay. it, but I feel like it, it needs to at least be acknowledged. We need to start preparing ourselves for the worst in case okay. it happens. Now, see, that's a mindset I can get on board with. I live my life very much that way. Always planning for the worst case scenario. And then anything that happens that's not that is a total bonus. You, know, you just got to manage expectations. So you're trying to manage all of our expectations. My real worry, though, is if the 49ers take on two or three more former Seahawks as defensive players, then I think mm -hmm. we may be legally obligated to root for the 49ers defense. The, did you even think about these things before you started saying them today? No, no. The answer would be a vehement. No, no, 
No, no forever. You put on that ugly ass red and gold and like, no, no, there is no rooting for you. I hope you do well personally in life. I hope everything goes well. I hope your kids are are healthy and happy and the misses are are good. But uh, yeah, as far as your football career, I hope it sucks ass the whole time you wear that crap ass jersey. It's an interesting strategy if it's the one that they choose to employ, though, by taking all of the, the guys who have been busted up while being Seahawks and hoping that they'll be able to, uh, you know, maintain a healthy season altogether at once because KJ Wright hurt, you know, Richard Sherman was hurt. Earl Thomas hurt, you know, and then you yeah, got Sherman Sher- Sher- put together a pretty healthy season. Oh, this last one. Yeah. No, and yeah, that's the one thing that I, I really didn't like about losing Richard Sherman. He's one of those guys who he can be really, really hurt and still be out there playing effectively. And yeah, it's not one of those guys who's, you know, gets a little bit hurt and has to sit out. Well, and also, too, out of all the different guys, like he felt like the one that could play later into his career. I mean, corners generally last a little longer than safeties because then they can go and play safety later, like because they're not taking all those hits like the safeties are. And so they they tend to be able to play a little later on in their career. Sherman had a really excellent track record when it came to injuries up until the point that he blew out the Achilles and then put together another solid year last year health-wise. And, uh, you know, look for him only to be better next year, which both stinks and, you know, good for him at the same time. So we did mention Frank Clark recruiting guys like Landon Collins on Twitter. is also recruiting Bruce Irvin to come back to the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clark gets the non-exclusive franchise tag, which means another team could come along and make an offer and would have to give the Seahawks two first round draft picks as compensation if they choose to not match the offer from another team. You think it, you, you, kinda, you feel like another team would come around and, and do that? Sure. I, I think there's a, a point to which you could do that. Like, honestly, if I was one of the jerk off general managers for, say, like the Cardinals or the Rams right now, like or even the Niners, you make him some ridiculous offer. Something is something that if the Seahawks do match it. Boy, it sucks for them. But if you're like the Niners, who cares? You got cap space to burn. Do they have first round draft picks to burn? Why not? They're the <laughs> Niners. Uh, probably not because they're going to trade them, uh, trade whatever they have for first rounders for Antonio Brown at some point here since the Bills screwed up and didn't get that done. Yeah. Yeah. They should have been able to get that done. Uh, I don't know. It could have, a, or I think it had a lot to do with the fact that what Antonio Brown wants in terms of a contract, even though he has like three years left on his deal. Right. Why is he talking about reworking his deal? I don't know. Cause he's lost his mind. Well, that's pretty obvious when uh, I, I think we explored that on the last show when he's well, I know. calling himself Mr. Big chest. Right. I forgot about <laughs> Mr. Big chest. How could I ever possibly forget about that? How ridiculous is Mr. Big chest? Maybe that's why he needs all that money. He has to have a bunch of new shirts tailored to fit his big old chest in. Yeah. You you need that money. Sure. Well, if the Seahawks were to get two first round picks, that would maybe explain why they're looking at. uh, They interviewed two guys expected to go in the top five at the combine. They they interviewed Kyler Murray and -hmm. apparently they also interviewed uh, Josh Allen. It doesn't Josh Allen play for the Bills. Yeah, this is the pass rusher, Josh Allen from Kentucky. Okay, who also. Yeah, I I wrote the article on field goals about the the stare down competition. Oh God! With Lonnie Johnson, they also uh-huh. they also did a stare down competition with Josh Allen. 
but Alan Great. lost. He's a loser. Mm. Really interesting story. <laughs> did you did you write a story about uh, any of the teams playing tic tac toe with any of the prospects? How about one legged races? I mean, how about were there were there any like uh, thumb wrestling uh, tournaments that went on in any of the interviews? Like this is the dumbest crap of all time. If they would have been reported last year that they did a thumb wrestling competition with Jamarco Jones. And mm. then this year, once again, did a thumb wrestling competition with another potential draft pick. Then that would be a story, just like they did that. They had this the stare down with with our uh, with Michael Dixon last year. And All they right. end up drafting him. He's an all-pro punter. And now we can expect Lonnie Johnson to come to the Seahawks uh, because he did say that he won the steering competition. I think that's an important part of this whole thing. He did win, which means he's probably going to come to the Seahawks and become an all-pro. All right. So here's what I'll start to take this seriously. Okay. Once is a coincidence, twice is a trend, and three times is a you problem. So like if, if once Michael Dixon, he gets in the steering contest and they, they draft him, cool. That's a coincidence. Like if, if twice now they do another little staring contest and they draft the dude. Okay. Now you're talking about a trend. Okay. Like, so three times, like that's kind of a certainty. So after the second time I'll start to like, you know, take it into consideration. But at this point, what, what's not to say that John Schneider's just not reverse psychology the entire league and like having staring contests with guys, he has no intention of drafting and all the other GMs are like you get roped into it or like, Oh, my stars. I'm sure they're going to draft this guy. They look deeply into each other's eyes for 15 solid seconds. There's gotta be a reason for it though. There has to be a reason for why Does there? you have 10 minutes with a guy. Maybe they're bored. <laughs> You ever think about that? You ever think like the combine, like they're, they're so sick of this crap. Like they have an interview for just a couple seconds and they're finally just like, whatever. I don't care. Um, what do you want to do with this guy? Well, let's screw with them a bit and just do a stare. Why not? Why I don't not? think it's screwing with them. I think it's, I think it's a way to gauge their level of competition. If you're such a competitor that you're willing to engage or not engage, like, cause if they say, Hey, do you want to do a staring contest? And they're like, not really then you know you know they're not a competitor. Yet if if you challenge them to a staring contest, they're like, hell yeah, we're going to do this and I'm going to do it until I kick your ass. Then then you know that they're willing to compete. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, because staring contests and football are so analogous in their level of competition and what it takes to succeed. I don't think they're analogous. I just I'm saying that to no, no, Brandon, like anybody has the balls to take on a staring contest. Like, it's not like they're like that's hard. Hey, do you want to have a have a staring contest? Oh, I don't know, man. Like, (laughs) don't know if I can pull it together enough for that one. So you're telling me that just if you're at a job interview and they say, let's do a staring contest. You're like, okay. How do Maybe. you respond? I think my first question would be why. See, and that's that immediately that tosses you out. You, you, why? You have because to jump I, because right I want to know what what's the innate inane reason you would have me do something like kind of ridiculous. Like when people ask me to do ridiculous things, usually my first reaction is why? That's what I'm trying to figure out here. Why do they do it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't think I don't think there's a. Uh, I don't think this is one of the things that is going to unlock the secrets to John Schneider's drafting and suddenly we'll be able to predict his randomness in the draft uh, all of a sudden. It's not happening. It's one of the pieces of the puzzle, Adam. One of the pieces. 
Yeah, it's an itty bitty piece. And it's not even like a, a border piece that like really gets you going. Like it's one stupid one in the middle that like it'll, it'll be the last one you put in. All right. Well, I do want to talk about one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle for the Seahawks this offseason. Russell Wilson, his contract expected to be Joel Corey talking about what his number, the starting point for Russell Wilson is going to be. And I want to talk about that right after the break. This past week, Joel Corey was on local Seattle radio on KJR saying 35 million is the starting point per year for Russell Wilson going into the contract year because he is. Well, he has one more year left with the Seahawks. This would be the Mm -hmm. offseason to negotiate with him. At what point do you say it's too much? Let's see. The salary cap is how how much overall for a team this year? Around 180 something. 180. So I'm going to go too much is $180 million in one cent. (laughs) Well, you have to be able to pay everybody else on the roster. No, I just let them run around out there. See how it goes. Be like, look, if you want all the money, cool. Let's see if you can win games. Like that would show these quarterbacks at some point, right? That that you need a team around you. Yeah. Yeah. You need to not take all the money so you can have other players. But at some point, you know, you look at Aaron Rodgers, top paid quarterback, Mm -hmm. and it's not that he doesn't deserve it. And you know what? If he could stay healthy for an entire season, maybe he would deserve it and Mm -hmm. they would be in the playoffs every year. But there has to be. There has to be a point, especially with the not so good quarterbacks like Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, uh, anybody else named Matt, uh, the, the quarterbacks <laughs> that you don't have to. You're kind of en- going to end up being average if it happens. And I think there's fans out there that are legitimately worried that Russell Wilson ends up getting in that territory because yeah, NFL 2019 salary cap, 188 million. So. You know, a lot of people look at that as a percentage and say, well, you can't go above 15 percent for a quarterback. So since Aaron Rodgers has signed his large deal or even the deal before that, have the Packers drafted well or poorly? Generally, they've drafted poorly. Okay, so this whole idea that if you pay a quarterback, you can no longer be competitive is a bit of a fallacy. You have to but you have to draft well because you have less leeway or failure in the draft. If you pay a quarterback a ton of money draft, you got to hit on draft picks and free agency. You can't blow it in free agency. Like they did with signing Jimmy Graham last time. Well, you're never going to be able to go after a Jimmy Graham type, right? You're going to be getting the bargain basement guys here and there in free agency. You're going to be looking for the McDougalds of the world. And if you can hit on those, then you, then you do well and you can still, still play. Look, you have to have a franchise quarterback to compete in the national football league. You have to have that. And is it easy to draft that? The answer is no. Remember the last time we were struggling to find a, a franchise quarterback? Yeah, it took a while. It took a minute. It took until Matt Hasselbeck. This is what I'm saying. How many years was it from Dave Craig to Matt Hasselbeck? What, Hasselbeck got here in what? Late 90, probably 98. 98? Yeah. And Craig left around 90, 91. Yeah. It took yeah. a while. So from basically 1979 to 91. And those were terrible years of football. We don't want that as Seahawks fans. We lived through that once. That's all I'm saying. Like, you just, you have a franchise quarterback in his prime, you keep him. It's just that simple. And then you figure out the rest. Be a smart football guy. Have good coaches. 
what are your other options? If you say, okay, we've got to trade Russell Wilson just so we can be competitive, you know, and you're looking to the draft. Okay. Who are you going to draft toward? I mean, I feel like we covered all this on the last show a lot with all the discussion around there. I feel like it needs to be brought up again, just to remind people because we saw Case Keenum go to the Redskins here. You know, the, uh, the trade announced today that Denver Mm -hmm. trading Case Keenum to the Redskins you see the Broncos going to Joe Flacco. You know, they're trying to figure out what their quarterback situation is after losing Peyton Look at the Manning. Jags. Right. They're bringing in Nick Foles. And is Nick Foles that might the be a good situation for him? It could be, eh. but you're talking about paying $25 million to Nick Foles. And look at Kirk Cousins, you know, $27 million. So you're telling mm-hmm. me that to have somebody who would be adequately competitive, like Nick Foles, you're willing to risk that $10 million to pay how many extra guys on your roster? That's going to well, make the difference. Usually the argument it goes something like this. It's not that you go out and you spend free agent money on your mid-tier quarterbacks. The argument goes you trade Russell Wilson away and then you draft a guy and you, and you just have a dude on a rookie contract. Who's that worked out for? Well, all I'm saying is it's not easy to, to draft franchise quarterbacks, even at the number one spot. There's been plenty of busts. Yeah. The only year that it really seemed to work out for the guys going one and two was Jared Goff in his second year with the Rams. And yeah, Wentz. Carson well, Wentz. Look, yeah. Look at it. Yeah. Look at it this way. Let's say. So the risk is you pay Russell Wilson, whatever it is he's asking. Right. And you have less amount of money to go after other players, a lesser amount. That risk of trying to put it together a winning team around him with lesser money, that's one risk that you could take on. Yeah. Or the other is to get rid of your franchise quarterback, build a slightly better team uh, that's there and ready to win, and then you take the risk that you have to go out and find another franchise quarterback. Which risk seems like the higher risk to you? Which one seems like it's harder to have work out? The, the second one, because I've seen this team have a pretty good defense that Pete Carroll was building and they were deciding between Charlie Whitehurst, Matt Flynn, Tavares Jackson, Tavares Jackson. And then they, they luckily drafted Russell Wilson. Right. And it took, a, and then, it took around middle of the season before people started going, Oh, maybe this Russell Wilson guy is our quarterback because halfway through the season, he had some struggles and they're like, well, we got Matt Flynn on the bench. Maybe we should be putting him in. Yeah, no, I wasn't one of those guys, <laughs> but uh, the whole idea too, that, since Russell Wilson, look at the other guys that they've brought in, brought in, you know, Trevon Boykin, Austin Davis, Hundley, and now Paxton Lynch. And there's others, of course, but I mean, other than uh, Mr. Magoo, yeah. like who did you look at and be like, oh, I think they've got actual potential. None of them. Austin Davis think, is probably the one they... guy that I looked at and go, well, he could play in a pinch. I think, I think. John Schneider and John Elway both suffer from a similar gene. Maybe it's just because they were named John where they have a really hard time picking out quarterbacks. It's hard. No, it's not that hard. <laughs> like I I'm smart enough to know that trading a fourth round pick to the Ravens for a quarterback that hasn't played well since the Super Bowl. Like what was that? Five years ago, six years ago 
however long, many years ago that is. That's a bad idea. Hasn't played a good season since then. Trading a fourth round pick to bring in that guy to pay him more money than the guy that you have there who's only one season removed from an actual good season. Then you trade him off for a sixth round pick and you have to give up a seventh as you do that. Like that's a net loss at the end of the day. You got maybe the same, probably worse at quarterback and you, you went down in the draft. Tell me how any of that makes sense. Like it's not hard. Like that's legitimately dumb. Like you can look at that and just be like, that's stupid. Don't do that. You know, if I were a Broncos fan, I'd, I'd almost rather say, let's bring in Christian Hackenberg. We'll start him. And then we'll have the first or second pick next year. There's got to be somebody other than Christian Hackenberg. <laughs> well, that, I, like I, you have to pick somebody who's guaranteeing you the first or second pick in the draft. And I feel like yeah, Hackenberg's yeah. that guy. Yeah, but like pick a guy that can run around a little bit. So at least you have <laughs> something fun to watch, like while you lose. Okay. Yeah. So you throw Alex Magoo back there. There you go. There's your perfect guy right there. I feel bad for that guy. Now he's going down to Jacksonville and Nick Foles is going to be taking the number one job. Like he we'll doesn't see. have a chance. Regular season Nick Foles isn't good Nick Foles. Entrenched starter Nick Foles is not good Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles needs to, he seems to need to have a little bit of something to play for. Yeah. I do like Keenum to the Redskins, though. It's okay. No, no, like just from this perspective. We'll get him did, through to Alex Smith until he's back. Did Jay Gruden make Kirk Cousins good? That's a good point. Uh, you know, <laughs> he made him, he made him decent, serviceable. Keenum has serviceable level of play in him. He just was playing for Vince Joseph. Yeah. Who, who, who can't coach anything. So like, I mean, it's not his fault. I think he's going to have an uptick in play in Washington and Flacco's going to crater. I could see that. And that's the whole part of this argument too. bringing up Kirk cousins. He was the one guy in free agency where all these teams looked at and said, yeah, that's a guy worth paying. Oh no. When, when Washington uh, was saying, Oh yeah, we're not, we're not paying you. And he took a team with the Vikings quarterback by Case Keenum and turned him from a playoff team into a non-playoff team. Well, there's more going on there than just Kirk Cousins. He actually played. Bit. He played Keenum well last year. Yeah. I, 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 but I was absolutely on the record. There is no way in hell I'm giving Cousins a big contract. None. Russell Wilson, though. It's OK. Yeah, he's a top three quarterback in the league. Freaking duh. And one of the arguments that, that came in through Twitter was saying that, can you pay Bobby Wagner, Frank Clark and Russell Wilson and be competitive enough to be eight and eight? You know, the worry that is that paying all those guys, you're not able to have enough talent around the team to keep you in the running as a playoff team. BS. Yeah, I mean, as long as you draft, okay. You'll be fine. Make some shrewd under the radar settings. You're fine. Look, the the problem is, is when you start paying eight, nine, 10 guys that $10 million plus a year, I think you can only really pay five or six, five to seven guys that kind of money and still like put together a semi-competitive roster. And really at the end of the day, like, okay, so at some point Bobby goes, can you replace 89% of Bobby Wagner in the draft? I'd say the answer is probably yeah. Can you can you uh, replace eighty nine percent of Russell Wilson out of the draft? Boy, I have no idea. Good luck. <laughs> He's a generational talent. They linebackers basically grow on trees. You can just go pluck one off a tree. Not not Bobby Wagner good, but you know what I'm saying. 
Well, look at the the Rams last year. That was the big criticism of the Rams defense going into last year. They had Mark Barron. And other than that, who did they really have at linebacker? You know, they have dudes at safety. You got dudes at corner. You got dudes on the defensive line. But at linebacker, you got Mark Barron, and that's about it. And they just cut him. So, you know, they're they're obviously seeing that they were able to do just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, made it all the way to the Super Bowl without really having anybody at linebacker that they had to pay. So I guess that's when, you know, if, if you have Bobby Wagner, who's a, you know, a legit difference maker in the entire mm-hmm. league, you know, d- up there as a defensive player of the year candidate, you mm-hmm. can't lose that guy. But can you lose KJ Wright? Well, we actually saw the Seahawks lose KJ Wright for a significant portion of last season, mm-hmm. and they got it done kind of with Austin Calistro and Michael Kendricks. Yeah, I mean, short of Michael Kendricks having suspension issues, like he played really well. So there's guys out there that you can bring in and and probably get 80% of KJ Wright production. Yeah, it's not going to be great. I mean, you're going to go, oh, yeah, it sure was great when we had KJ. And I, he's one of the guys I would like the Seahawks to resign in free agency. Mm-hmm. If you know that he's going to be, if you can be relatively sure that he's coming back off these knee issues as a, a healthy contributor to the team. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think Seattle has the benefit in this scenario. And that's why free agency scares me so much as a fan is that a lot of these guys like Landon Collins, like Trey flowers for the Patriots, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're taking guys where the Patriots and giants have said, yeah, these guys performed really well on our team, but we're not going to pay them as top guys. Well, look, and the thing is, is as a whole, I am not a big proponent of spending large and free agency. I think it, you're generally getting, you know, 50 cents on the dollar that you spend, basically. I mean, these guys are half four out and there's a reason why the team's not keeping them at whatever price they're they're demanding. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... For you see like the Miss Universe pageant, right? And like, you're like, man, that girl's like super smoking hot, like blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a guy out there somewhere who's tired of making out with her. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's happened. Like it's the same with this. I, I don't get that analogy, but uh, okay. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> like the team gets tired of Antonio Brown. Like, yeah, he's amazing. He, does, he makes all these great plays and everything, but like, yeah, I've had enough moving on. So you're saying that the the girl in the beauty pageant might be a little bit crazy. I'm just saying everybody gets broken up with <laughs> no matter how amazing you are. You know, it's true. But I don't know different things around the league that are interesting. Let's I don't know if this has been on your radar or, or, or not. Just the whole Cardinals story with Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen and all of that. Do you have yeah, any is, opinion on this? I I. I do have an opinion and I, I actually have a pretty significant. I thought we'd get into it and do better. Oh, okay. I think there's a do better aspect to this that we, that we can point to and, and have this discussion as a whole, but it's, it has been on my radar and it's one of the more intriguing stories from this last week. It is. So stay tuned to the end of the show, Brandon in his do better. And we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit. Cause I have some thoughts on it too. Okay. Oh, I think they call that a tease. It just happened organically, but uh, we're going to pretend like it was totally intentional. So it's an organic, organic tease. Does that mean it's like healthier for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, OK, cool. Also going on a free agency guard TJ Lang, who the Seahawks were looking at signing two years ago, cut by the Lions. Yeah. I mean, how old is he now, though? 35? Two years older than when we were going to sign him last time. Wait, really? <laughs> I mean, 
I don't do math all that well, but uh, okay. Well, wasn't he like 31, 33? Yeah, he's like probably that? 30. He's probably 33 now. I'm all about signing the older linemen for those last like two years. They seem to do well. Like, and it's something that the Seahawks have shied away from forever. I mean, I've pointed to it a million times, but once again, like Eric Winston a few years ago, then came yeah. back and ended up playing another solid four years in the league when we were dying at offensive line. He'll be 32 once the start of the year rolls around. And I think it's because this past year in Detroit, he only played six games. So the $9 million was a little bit too steep for them to. He was a guy who just was healthy every single year. And then that last year in Green Bay only started 13 games. His first year in Detroit only started 13 games and then just six games last year. So, yeah, the six, the six worries me. 13 games is a lot of games in this league. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sweezy played, what, 13 games this last year. Right. Yeah. 13. You feel like you're getting your money's worth. Yeah. Makes me wonder a little bit about uh, the tackle from Pittsburgh that Arizona just traded for. Highly talented. Ben rated highly, but again, injury issues. But this kind of is what bummed me out. You know what Arizona gave up for that guy? Six round pick. Yeah. I'd have given up a six round pick to see if that guy could be better than a Fetty. Yeah. For five, for five million for one year. That's not a bad deal. What was the guy's name? I, I just figured we'd go with that guy from the Steelers and everybody would just know. Steelers? Yeah. You're going to make I, me look it up. Well, yeah. Be only because I can't quit being lazy. Marcus Gilbert. There it is. Okay. Marcus Gilbert goes to the Arizona Cardinals. Meanwhile, the LA Rams are subtracting from their offensive line, cutting John Sullivan center. That was a little surprising to me. I was, he was one of those guys who was kind of on our radar saying, well, he's kind of getting up there. He's over 30, but they did draft a dude. It, it wasn't the, doesn't note boom play center. Maybe they think he's an sure. I don't know. <laughs> you got to keep track of the, the these dudes for on back our, up, our back rivals. Up Rams offensive lineman. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm not. I, I'm not really uh, all the way down on their depth chart when it comes to center. I did see an article. Somebody suggesting we should go after Saffold. We talked about that a little bit. Sure. Makes a lot of sense in this, in the sense that it'd be great to, you know, pluck him off their, their roster. You'd upgrade a guard, you know, younger guy, yada, yada, yada. It just doesn't happen. I think I would rather go Saffold than Landon Collins. If they're going to be about the same amount of money. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's not even, that's not even debatable. Okay. I see. I thought maybe it was debatable, but obviously it's, it's just a really smart thought in my head. Yeah. Yeah. You should keep with those thoughts. They're your better ones. How about uh, I saw another article, too, where they were touting the idea of Sue to the Seahawks for a year. No, thanks. No, you don't want a guy who doesn't play for the regular season within the scheme. And yeah, that, up all just your seems like, that just seems like a bad idea to me. I'll, I'll yeah. take either of the dudes from the Chargers. Yeah. Those the defensive tackles because they're going to cost way less and they're probably going to give more effort. I mean, Having playoff Sue is cool. Yeah. But you got to wait around for, for that to happen. Right. So how about, uh, how about Tom Johnson, AKA Sebastian Thunderbucket? <laughs> he's, he's talking that he would be down for another, just one year gig. You think he, he, you think he'll come back to Seattle? I don't think he's mad at Seattle. No, that's true. Yeah. He, I think that, he understood what was going on. Yeah. They were like, no, we want to try to bring it back. And then the Vikings were like, ha, nope. Yeah. We'll give you money. Yeah, he didn't get done. He got paid twice for last year. Like, I know. Why would he be mad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tom Johnson says, yes, I like money. Yeah, exactly. They're going to find a guy like Shamar Stefan 
who they can pay a couple million dollars to. Remember, you got Puna Smart. Ford coming up too, who's you know, going to be rotationally in there mm-hmm. on those running downs. So I think with defensive interior defensive tackle, and I think one of the things that uh, that also stood out to me watching the combine is this draft is going to be loaded with dudes at interior defensive tackle. Cool. I like that idea. So we can go there too. Yeah. Because there's no way that John Schneider only has four draft picks uh, once the draft, once the draft gets begins. going. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't think so. Unless they, unless he holds on to that one just to see if somebody falls to him that he's in love with. But you know he's got deals already worked out with like two or three teams. Yeah. And you know that he's not going to fall in love with anybody who's, you know, not maybe a top 10 pick who just happens to fall for some random mm-hmm. reason. And, you know, when they start falling, you, you have to wonder why. And they're... They've got dudes, I'm sure, in mind through the second and third round that they're going to want to that they're going to want to get to. Oh, for sure. Just to build depth. One other piece of news from these last two weeks. Seahawks. Not for sale. Jody Allen taking Still, the chair huh? and uh, the and well, the I, I think this was news. No. <laughs> <laughs> the ownership structure. Now the team is technically owned by the Paul Allen Trust and Jody Allen's the chair. And mm. a guy named Burt Coldy's the vice chair. Yeah. Um, hey, also breaking news. Your house, not for sale. <laughs> oh, wait, it wasn't for sale before? Oh, I guess it's not news then. Well, it's not. Like, I think it would be kind of people would kind of be wondering the status. Let me know if they came of, out and said house. the team is for sale. Now that's news. If it's. If say, I, yeah. Adam, if you pass away, I'm going to be wondering if your house is going to be for sale. No, you won't, because I'm dead. Of course it's going to be for sale. I don't know. Apparently, maybe your sister would come along and take ownership of your house. Nah, I don't like her that much. (laughs) I don't know. Lisa's all right. Yeah, everybody likes her better anyway. So, you know, I I guess living, having to live with that your entire life. It's Mm. uh, I I can see how it's weighed on you. Not really. She's actually cool. It's just my daughter, I think, would get it first. That's just what, you know. See, there's questions. You're trying, to, you're trying to make it sound like there wouldn't be any questions. Not really. None of my crap's worth enough for anybody to give a crap about, man. Seahawks are uh, worth significantly more than your house. Yeah, true fact. Breaking, breaking news. <laughs> Most people's cars are worth more than my house. How, how do we bring that frugality into the Seahawks for this offseason? Oh, I think you described it a little bit with the way they're going to sign some defensive tackles for like uh, a bag of footballs and some Cheetos. Michael Bennett expected to be cut by the Eagles. Expected to be picked up by the Patriots. I just saw that news come across too. He expects the Eagles to trade him to the Patriots. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's that's a move that makes sense. That's a very Patriot move. Yeah, you do things like that if you want to compete while paying a quarterback. Stupid Patriots. They're fine, whatever. All their smart decisions. <laughs> Leads them to be Super Bowl wins. It's not like, yeah. I don't know. I, you can be mad at him. I, I could. I just, I don't have all that Patriot hate built up. I've got to know. I got to save that hate for the places where it needs to be put. Like the catfish king ramps or the stupid Cardinals or that ugly ass franchise down in uh, San Francisco. Yeah. At least we got to laugh at the Patriots a little bit uh, when uh, their owner got busted here these last couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm not even mad. It, it's worth a little chuckle. He he was he was married to his l- wife for what like fifty years or something like that by all accounts faithful everything was good 
And like she passes away and like three, four years later, he's got some super young girlfriend and he's getting a hand job in the parking lot or whatever, or the massage parlor. Good for him. It's a billionaire. Have at it, dude. You're almost done. He's about to check out. Make his last check bounce. He should he should spend it all. I feel like there's other ways when you have that, that amount of money. It's I'm some sure random, there are, but random massage also- parlor in Florida. <laughs> You would think, but, you know, he also, you know, probably doesn't have all the faculties that he used to. Some things that maybe five years ago you would have thought that's a bad idea. Maybe you don't have the capability of like processing to the point of saying, you know, that's a bad idea. Well, there were some people who made some good choices this last week and got in the flock. So what do you say we take a little break, come back and welcome some new members of the flock? Oh, absolutely. I'm excited about that. And some more breaking news when we come back. All right. Getting back into the show. You, you two, some breaking news before we went. And I'm curious because I'm I'm wondering, the Cardinals cut Mike Glennon and Antoine Bethea. Uh, that, mm-hmm. That's not the breaking news I'm hoping that you were getting to getting at no no eric weddle signs with the los angeles rams that was quick can mm-hmm. they uh, can they do that well he's cut oh yeah i guess you can cut any of the dudes who are or you can sign any of the dudes who are just getting cut right now yeah oh and these guys don't count toward the the comp pick formula right yeah interesting yeah well, good for them look I, I always uh and we'll get to this when we get to your do better i always ask myself like you know, as a rival fan, like, what do you think when, you know, a team makes a signing or makes a decision or whatever, and they decided to get rid of Joyner and bring in Weddle? You knew what my thought was? It's awesome. a downgrade. I like that move. Well, they, they couldn't afford to bring back Joyner. No. Well, welcoming some new members of the flock, starting out with Mitchell Jackstad, in for 25 a month, came in right after we recorded and before we posted the show. So, so Mitchell's been waiting around for two weeks to get his official welcome. Oh, man. Oh, sorry to keep you waiting, Mitchell. Like, I've been on the road, like, you know, just doing sawmill things. And uh, it's just been tough. It's been tough. But appreciate you getting in the flock, man. Welcome. And uh, that's awesome. We finally broke the streak here of a, of a couple bad weeks. I know. We got a few people. Jeff and KC gave us a raise up to 12-12. So Jeff will join us in, the, well, he already has joined us in the Ring of Honor. Well, right on, man. I hope he's enjoying the fine community there. And enjoying his Cam Chancellor signed football. He won that in the Pick'em, right? From the Pick'em, yeah. Yeah. Cameron McIntosh in for a buck. Cameron, welcome to the flock. Hey, man. See, all you have to do is a buck a month and you're in the flock. So what? uh, We're going to send him some stickers and stuff or what? What are we doing now? Or Mm -hmm. no, that's just bonus shows, right? If we're going to do bonus shows. And and shout out on the show. Okay, cool. Got to get in at three to to get me to send you stickers. Right. Or ask. You could ask. (laughs) (laughs) It only really takes about that much, right? (laughs) Jason Kloger, also in at a buck. Welcome to the flock, Jason. Hey, welcome, welcome. Oh, and in with one time donation, Jesper, our 2018 Pick 'em League champion, came in with $36 via PayPal. And uh, so, welcome to the flock to Jesper. Yeah, like kind of re welcome to the flock, right? Well, he t- he's he's officially in. I mean, he's just been part of the the Pick'em League, and see oh, now really? now I he's thought, officially. I thought he'd been donating for a while, Jesper. Oh no, no, Jesper just uh, he's been freeloading his way through the the Pick'em League. Oh well, now see, I appreciate the fact that he won a little sum sum. Felt like it was uh, worth his mu- while, you know, because it's value for value, right? Right. And he decided to to go ahead and donate to the show. Yeah, 
And like Adam said, the show is value for value. So if you get value out of what we're doing, you can go to getintheflock.com and you can support the show there. Become a member of the flock and we will shout you out on the next show along with anything else that comes along with your pledge. Getintheflock.com. Just for emails in says, I'm just writing you to say that I finally joined the flock. It's been a long time overdue, and I guess I couldn't get away with being a freeloader winning the Pick'em League. Sorry for not doing it earlier. Thanks a lot for your work. I really do love your show. You guys are not just funny, but also learn a lot listening to your show. Being a relatively new but diehard Seahawks fan living in Sweden, I don't have the best football knowledge, but listening to you really helps. And with a smile. It's only right that you should get paid for the hard work that you put down, and your show is the one I look forward to most every week. Keep up the good work, and go Hawks. You know, that's a very flattering uh, email and appreciate that. And Jesper's been listening for a long time now. But my concern is, is that he doesn't have uh, very many other shows or he needs to learn how to pick some other shows. Because if we're <laughs> the one that he looks forward to the most, I'm a little concerned. I don't, it, this can be the one that you look forward to most and still listen to other shows. Like good ones, though? Well, what are you if you if you like the Seahawks more mm-hmm. than any of your other hobbies? Okay. What else are you gonna do? Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. I was just I was concerned. Thirty four years old, Eric Weddle. Yeah. And he feels like he's forty eight, right? <laughs> is, that, is that what he said? No, that's how it feels but, to me. But I'll, like take, just... but I'll take the Rams money anyway. Five million a year for the next two years. Oh, it's a two year deal too. Two years, five million. Yeah, ten million two over two years. Heck yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks. Thanks, Les Snead. That was a that was a great signing. All this news happening. I feel like uh, we're we're picking the wrong time of the day to do this. <laughs> or maybe the perfect time of the day. Sure, however you want to look at it. Are you half glass full or half glass empty today, I guess? Well, hopefully they, they cut it out. And that way we don't have to jump back on it for an emergency show just in like an hour. Yeah, that's not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got work to do. Yep. On to do better and better a life. All right, Brandon. My do better this week is for Bleacher Reports, Marcus Mosher. Masher? Mosher? I don't know exactly how he says his name, but he writes an article, uh, NFL teams, uh, you know, that will regress this next year. And uh, he picks out five teams and Just off the top of my head, one was like the Ravens, and it's like, yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense. You know, Lamar Jackson, uh, who knows what happens with him this next year. They're losing a bunch of free agents. You know, that that makes some sense. Now, it kind of goes down the list, and most of the teams are like losing considerable guys and, you know, just are kind of set to have that kind of regression year. And you're like, okay, that that all makes sense. But guess who the last team was, Brandon? Well, probably the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seattle Seahawks. All right. And he starts out, I was like, well, the Seahawks might have been the most surprising team of all the teams last year. Well, okay. So you were one of the morons that was saying where we we're going to go, like, you know, two and six and 10. Yeah, whatever. Exactly. So you're just Five like, and 11. Right. yeah. Like, all right. So I can see where this is going already. And he's like, you know, the Seahawks have been that team that's per- perennially won nine games like every year. Like, how is this? Is this success sustainable? Probably not. Well, except for it has been like it's just minor news flash. And then basically all the reasons that he gave for all the other teams don't really apply to the Seahawks. Like we're not losing boatloads of guys that are invaluable to the team. If anything, we're adding more guys back in. 
And this team is on the upswing with a bunch of young dudes on defense. And on top of all that, we still have Russell Carrington Wilson. We're keeping Frank Clark. Like, I, I don't understand, like, where this guy's coming from at all. Like, it's just, he just thinks or just wants the Seahawks to take a step back. Like, it just it just should should happen in his mind. And he has, like, I think, zero facts. I think exactly what it is, Adam, is that there's all there was all this momentum around the Seahawks being bad last year. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a few of those guys who desperately wanted to be right last year, but were proven to be wrong. Right. And so now that they're they're going to double down going into the season and say, well, I, I, I kind of felt it last year. So now it's definitely going to happen this year. Look, I only have a little bit of advice for people like that. If you want to continue to do that, go look at Rob Parker uh, from ESPN or Fox or wherever the hell he is. And the way he uh, goes after Tom Brady and the Patriots, like year in, year out, week in, week out. It's the fall of the Patriots. Ask him how that's working out for him. Just because you want it to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. You're just going to look like a moron. This guy's Marcus's biggest reason for the Seahawks to come down to earth next year is that the Seahawks were a run heavy team last year, most in the league and the league is going to catch up to that next year. And they're going to put a stop to it because the Cowboys did newsflash. You can run the football. You can run it down anybody's throats. That's how it works. You out physical him. It's not, it's not something that uh, is magic. You know what I mean? It's the most easily repeatable thing in football. And yet somehow that's going to be the thing that leads to their demise and their passing game can't possibly step up and take the pressure off that. You're right. Yeah. I mean, they only have Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett and who graded out as one of the best deep threats in all of football last year, but that's cool. We only get Will Disley back. That's fine. I mean, I'm sure they're going to make a, a tweak or two to the offensive line, make things a little better. That's cool. The The rookie running back, I'm sure, is going to be a little better this next year, Penny. And you still can bring back Chris Carson. I'm sure they're regressing. Hey, Marcus Mosher, you're a moron. Do better. So people are going to figure out that the Seahawks are running and force a team to throw more on a on a team where Russell Wilson threw 35 touchdowns with his fewest amount of attempts this past year and yeah. and you're going to make you you want that guy to throw more doom it spells doom for the Seahawks <laughs> oh it's it sounds like such a dire scenario what what could this team possibly do if we were forced to throw the ball more i i, I don't know how will they ever manage oh it's going to be it's going to be a tough year following this team. Nah, it's going to be a great year, just like last year was where everybody had to eat crow. Like the first two weeks kind of sucked. But after we got past that, everything was good. That was good. My do better this week is for all this nonsense surrounding quarterback from Oklahoma, Kyler Murray, including the anonymous scout that told Dan Patrick that Murray was, quote, inflating his height at the combine. And for Charlie Casserly going on his tour around every single radio station, every single TV show, talking about how poorly he heard from all the other scouts that sat in on the meetings with Kyler Murray, which we know that uh, the Seahawks were among the 10 teams, apparently, that sat in with Kyler Murray. Yeah, because none of those teams who sat in the meetings would have especially after the news came out that the Arizona Cardinals were almost definitely going to be taking Kyler Murray at number one. Once, once that started to spread around, I'm pretty sure some of those other teams that met with him, they, they kind of had some motivation to put out some news surrounding Murray to hopefully make him fall beyond the number one pick 
or to try and make the the value of that number one pick a little bit less for Arizona, because that's one of the things that I'm curious about from this past week. How much of the stuff, Adam, is smokescreen around Kyler Murray because they know he's an exciting player and Arizona trying to get the most value out of that number one pick or, you know, potentially value for their current quarterback if they really are ready to move on. But Arizona at the Combine, they're not going to have they're they're just not going to have made a decision on their draft pick already. They got time. They got time to make a decision. So that's what makes me wonder if all this is just generating a lot of buzz for when they're ultimately either going to trade out of the pick or draft a defensive lineman. All right. So you you don't buy into the Kyler Murray to the Cardinals rumor to start with. If they're doing it, they're going awfully hard on trying to make us believe that he's going number one. Are and they? If he is, I just, for as much attention that was around him going number one and then the pushback afterward of all this Charlie Casserly stuff. It's uh, well, number it, one. Okay. First it's Charlie Casserly, right? Like take whatever it is he says and then think of the opposite of whatever that is. And that's the thing that's probably the truest. Well, let's run it through his uh, Russell Wilson filter from before the 2014 season where Charlie Casserly said, I do not consider Russell Wilson a top 10 quarterback, let alone one who belongs in the top five. The Seahawks win because they have one of the NFL's best defenses and an outstanding running back in Marshawn Lynch. Wilson, who I think is good, but not elite passer, operates in an offense that takes a lot of pressure off him, meaning the Seahawks don't have to rely on his arm to win games. Yeah, I, I just he's not very right about things. This Charlie Castle, the guy. And then on top of all that, like all the rumors he's hearing from the other teams. You know, the one thing that I do know for a fact is that every GM at the combine and scouts and all that, when asked a question, they put out the God honest truth as to their entire intentions. And in, yeah, all that they do. They they're very honest and forthright. Like that's you the totally trust one thing. everything a yeah. general manager or a scout says. Coming out of the combine. Right. I actually tend to believe the Kyler Murray rumor in the sense of the Cardinals actually taking him and moving on from Rosen. It, just because Rosen wasn't really selected by this coaching staff and this regime. I know Kime was there, but sure. I mean, it's, he's just not their guy. And Kingsbury's had a hard on for Murray for <laughs> since, you know, way back in the day. And like last year, I, and, he, yeah. and he fits, he fits that system way better. He fits that system way better. Now from a, a fan's perspective of a rival team, like the idea that the cards would take Murray and then trade Rosen. Like I want that to happen. Well, the smart thing to do would be to keep both those guys. That ain't happening. Why wouldn't you? Why would you? That's only going to create so much tension in the locker room. You think Rosen's the type of guy that's going to sit back and and uh, play number two to Kyler Murray without making a stink? Give Compete me a for break. The spot. Compete for the spot. Oh, I'm sure he will. And he'll run his mouth the whole time, too. He's an arrogant dude, man. Well, and that's one thing where that it actually makes sense to me is that after a year of having Josh Rosen on the team, they're going to know whether or not he can handle it. Handle what? 
handle the the pressure of having to compete with another dude for that top for that job you're gonna have to put that thought out of your head like there is no possible way under the sun that josh rosen and kyler murray are on the same roster come camp or any of that none zero let it go gosh the patriots are going to trade for rosen and he's going to be awesome with the patriots just watch Rosen's going somewhere and the Patriots make a little bit of sense. I don't know if he'll be awesome for them. I, I just don't see him as of the quarterbacks that came out last year. Like I wasn't a big Rosen fan to start with. And after watching him last year, I'm still not a big Rosen fan. Yeah, he was okay. I think he can be Alex Smith. Yeah, maybe without the running. He can't move, okay. man. Yeah, and that's just it. In this day and age, like you, your quarterback has to be able to move. Like I'm not enamored with Kyler Murray. Like I just started getting into some of his uh, play and watching some of his games. But um, he's going to be good. I don't want him to go to Arizona. I don't know that he's going to be good. I, I think the the speed that he has and his mobility is going to make a huge difference for him for sure. And I think uh, he is. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't finished my evaluation of him yet, but I do like the way that he can run around. He does have elite level speed. Well, I haven't finished my do better yet. And for Charlie Casserly going around it, you heard it in every single one of his interviews. He would say about how terrible Kyler Murray was in the interviews, the worst he's ever heard. And then he would go, but watch my show this Friday at blah, 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 blah time. And I'm going to tell you the exact type of offense that Kyler Murray fits into. This was all a stunt to promote his show on Friday. And for this other thing that was so ridiculous, Dan Patrick saying that this anonymous scout saying Murray inflated his height at the combine. That's that's even more nonsense. So for all of you for spreading this, do better. You stand up against a tape measure. How do you inflate your height by when you're you're asked to be measured without your shoes and stand against a tape measure? How do you do that? They don't allow you to stand on your tippy toes. I don't know. Did he hold his breath? To like try to make himself like lighter so that he's a little taller? I don't I don't know. They said if he doesn't measure in at his pro day, then you're really going to know that he was doing something screwy. Or the person who was reading the tape can't read a tape. I think Kyler Murray found a new way to to elevate your height without standing on your toes. Like there's some way that he can specially manipulate his feet to just give him because all he really needed was a quarter of an inch to make sure that he was over 510. And if he's under 510, nobody's going to draft him. So oh, sure. that's that's what he was that's what he was really after. No, what he did was is he he took some time in this offseason and he actually spent some time with David Blaine and learned how to levitate a little bit. Mm, just a little bit. Yeah. How do you make your feet swell? Mm, I don't know. Like cuz you know, drink I drink a lot of water with, you know, people who are pregnant, don't they end up like getting feet? Yeah, I think you have feet? to get pregnant. So Kyler Maybe Murray, Kyler got, Murray pregnant got pregnant ahead of the ahead mm-hmm. of the combine. Yeah, that's how he put on the extra weight. Right. So the extra weight thing is something that it made me laugh, too, because like, sure. I mean, you can put on some weight for the combine, but like carrying that around for a season is going to be tough. Like if you just look at him, he is not built like Russ, right? right? He's just not nearly as thick. Like there's guys with just different body types. He's built a lot more like Vic or RG3. That doesn't mean that in this day and age in football that he can't survive. I think he can. And the little bit that I've watched, he definitely has the ability to to get down and to slide. And he's and he's good at it. And he, and he doesn't uh, seem to put himself in positions where he gets hit a lot. And that's one of the things that Russ does well. But, uh, yeah, he's never going to be, you know, 
as thick as as Russ or anything like that. I doubt it. Just looking at him. I mean, he could he could put on some extra weight and a lot of people speculating why that's why he didn't run at the combine because he was just going in to to weigh in and measure out the the older I get, the more I could give a rat about the combine. Like, oh, basically, it's, it's really in terms of there's nothing more important than watching a guy's tape in college. Like yeah. that's the most important thing. Can the guy can play football or not play football? That's what I care about when I'm drafting a football player. I think the thing about the combine, the importance of it is so all the teams can go do all their medical checks on these players yeah. Yeah. all in one spot. I mean, no, that's that the, makes sense. That's the most important part. Yeah, that makes sense. The other parts but, just kind of a but show. It's all it's all it's all for not if a guy can inflate his height. I I want that guy. Yeah, I mean, heck, I mean, at that point, you're a perfect patriot, right? Because uh, you know how to cheat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that did make me think about Adam in terms of you know, the the Seahawks actually interviewing Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. apparently interviewing Josh Allen, it kind of made me wonder. And I, I I tend to think that some of these guys just over prepare when it comes to the combine. So why not either? And and we saw it with John Schneider actually going and watching Josh Allen of the, the Buffalo bills last year, you know, he got in a, mm-hmm. you know, Russell Wilson's uh, team was all in a hissy because he was going to watch Josh Allen throw at his pro day in Wyoming. Yeah, that was, that was uh, not true too, by the yeah. way. Okay. It was uh, sure blown out in the media. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I just have to wonder that, if it's over preparing, because I could kind of see now with Frank Clark having the franchise tag, them thinking that, well, if a team like the Raiders does come along and say, oh, yeah, we're going to pay Frank Clark and give you two first round draft picks. Well, we better interview these guys to know who we would spend these top draft picks on if, if we were mm-hmm. to get one. Sure. Just part of your due diligence. Yeah. Over preparing. John Schneider. Good job. Yeah. Or maybe properly preparing. That may be too. Properly preparing for picks. That's what John Schneider's doing. It's very alliterative. <laughs> yeah. Well, let us get into better at life. And I'm going to kick it off because Cal State Long Beach, Adam, they have a course that uh, is is one that I think I would I'd like to take. Is it NFL offseason rumors for dummies? It, it's not. It's not related oh. to the NFL. It's, oh, okay. in fact, uh, related to one of the greatest television sitcoms of all time. Yeah. Uh, and it's titled Women in Aging, Lessons from the Golden Girls. <laughs> I could see how this would pique your interest. They have a did, gerontolo- did, did this pop up on your Pinterest? Of course, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's the only reason why I have Pinterest. It's so I can get all my yeah, Golden like Girls golden pictures girls news. Yeah. and Golden Girls news. And yeah, the uh, Shantae Jensen of Long Beach Post was uh, there was an article about how this this particular course at Cal State Long Beach, they brought in Golden Girls producer Marsha Posner to speak to the class that was inspired by her show. And what a great idea. I mean, there's so many lessons that could be learned and yeah. to be to be teaching young people out of high school the important lessons of, of life that you would learn through watching the Golden Girls and condensing yeah. that into a course that you actually get college credit for. It makes all the sense in the world. So for Cal State Long Beach, furthering the education of our young people, better at life than Skip Bayless. 
Yeah, some parent worked a real job and paid tuition for their kid to take the Golden Girls class. Like, what kind of life lessons are you learning there? Like, you know, how to be a friend, how to travel around the world and back again. Like, how's how, what, what, what do you learn? I would like to be able to learn how to play the bass line to the theme song. You could probably YouTube that and save yourself a semester's worth of college. See, there's some there's some of this college stuff that needs to go away. <laughs> This is this is not it's like one of James them. Franco. When that one time he taught a class about James Franco, Adam, they probably teach podcasting at college now. Really? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Oh, well, here, I'll give you a free lesson. Buy a microphone. Talk into it. Don't forget to press record. Oh, right. That's a very important part. <laughs> not saying we've nailed that every one time. Of the most important ones. Yeah. The rest of it, you can figure out. Yeah. Save yourself the money. I don't think you should knock this class without taking it. I mean, I can understand why uh, it spoke to you, though. I do. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, My better at life than Skip Bayless this week, Brandon, is SpaceX. They launched their uh, crew Dragon capsule this last week into space for uh, their first space for their first attempt to dock with the ISS, uh, the International Space Station. And uh, it went off flawlessly, despite uh, the Russians kind of having a hissy fit about the whole thing the whole time. What are they hissy fitting about? Oh, they were throwing shade on Twitter all over the place. Like, like passive aggressive tweets about how, like, did it happen on Twitter? Yeah, that's a good point. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, don't twist my own words against me, Brandon. I hate that crap. <laughs> Even when I'm really right back at myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it docks. Everything's successful. Everything's good. The Russians are being a little pissy pants about it because for the longest time uh, since the space shuttle has been retired, you know how everybody gets to space on a Soyuz Russian capsule. Right. Yeah. Basically, if they bring one foreigner uh, to space, it pays for their entire launch. Like that's how much they're charging. Mm-hmm. So it's like free rides to space for the for the Russians. And uh, they've just been kind of sitting on their laurels. And so now that we've gotten to a point to where SpaceX is able to now launch crude capsules into space, not only oh. that, but better ones. They're being all they're being all mean about it. They're just talking about how. So like, now they're, they're going to cool, have to be cool. paying for their own stuff now. Right. Not how cool it was that the the then on top of that they were like making it a problem for them to even do the test like they weren't gonna like let them do it and then made their astronauts like go in their own little spaceship like while dock just in case the whole thing came crashing down even though like it was not gonna happen and uh, when they opened it up to like make sure everything was in there it wasn't like hey check out the new cool SpaceX capsule it was Russian cosmonauts entering spaceship with the brand new full face mask that we've invented for the very first time. That's what they're talking about. There's a little mm. face mask. So anyways, next up actual crude uh, missions for SpaceX. They can put up to seven bodies in that beast and, and slaunch her off into space. I think it's just going to be two for the first go, but uh, another step in the right direction. So SpaceX better at life than Skip Bayless. SpaceX. Pissing off the Russians since 2019. Yeah. <laughs> double birds, Putin. Double birds. <laughs> hey, we might be getting double draft picks from the Bills. Jay Glazer reporting that uh, the Bills may be having a little interest in Frank Clark. Mm, Dan Morgan. I don't know where they are in draft order. Where are the Bills at? 2019 draft order. They're in Buffalo. Yeah, we haven't lost them. They're okay. still there. 
The Bills have the number nine overall pick this year. That and what other pick? A high pick or a pick next year? Yeah, when you do two first rounders, because obviously nobody's going to have. Well, some like there's a team or two that does, you know, just because of trades or things like oh, that. Yeah, like the, the Browns Ra- had like, multiple first last yeah, the year. The Raiders have like three. Right. I think the Packers might have two. Well, they'll light those on fire, so that'll be cool. Yeah, Packers, Raiders are the only two teams that I see with multiple draft picks in the first round this year. But what do you think? If you get a, yeah. a first rounder this year and a first rounder next year from the Bills, do you do you pay Frank Clark or do you let him go and take the take the picks? I think you're looking at like a low mid rounder for next year, right? So like a ninth and an eighteenth, yeah, something like that. Yeah, number nine, eighteen. The Bills will probably finish second in that division next year. I would hope so. I've, I've kind of grown attached to Frank Clark these last, especially this last year. Well, yeah, of course you have. He's a hell of a player. He, he's, he matured a lot this last year, especially, you know, with the uh, really kind of taking leadership on the team. Mm-hmm. Be hard to see that go. Yeah, I, I think it's very unlikely. But at the same time, the potential to to rebuild your roster. Think of how many other picks you could get for that number nine overall pick. Now you're thinking like John Schneider. Yeah. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.